Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avant Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories, where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And since this is our very first episode, I'm going to turn the tables a little bit and 
have one of my good friends interview me. So today I invited Emma Title, and Emma lives here in Boulder, Colorado, not too far from where I live here in North Boulder. And we've been friends for some years now, I think since I since I first moved to Boulder several years ago. And Emma is also very involved in women's work. She's a psychotherapist and a coach and a women's group facilitator. And I felt like her voice and her wisdom and perspective would be the perfect ones to interview me as a way of introducing all of you to this new podcast. So welcome, Emma. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Me too. (laughs) It's been a long time coming. It has been a long time coming. And Emma, before I turn the tables over to you to take the lead, I would love for you just to share how you are today in body, heart, and mind as we're settling in for this conversation. Mm, Thank you. So I'm um, I'm feeling tender today. I feel I feel resilient, but also tender. Um, I've been kind of in community with a number of people who have experienced a lot of losses, and so I'm doing well in my own body and being. But I'm just aware of the fragility of life today, and I'm sitting in my peaceful home office looking at a beautiful painting and the trees are turning outside my window and I just feel um, a lot of gratitude and appreciation for the beauty around me. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you feel ready, Sarah, I'm going to check in with you. I know that's something that you do with your all of your gatherings at the Way of the Happy Woman. Do you feel ready? I'm ready. Okay. So um, I'm curious where you are physically just in this moment. In this moment, as I shared with you before we started recording, my voice feels very kind of, it doesn't feel strong today. And I think I've had a series of eye surgeries the past couple of weeks to remove some cysts. And so I think that all the energy in my head is just a little bit more vulnerable than it usually is. So mm. I'm just welcoming that <laughs> and incorporating it into my day. And I'm also sitting in my home office looking at a candle here that I always light before I have interviews. Mm. And my dog Amaya is sitting outside the door. Usually she's allowed inside, but not when I'm not when I'm recording because she often snores. So <laughs> hopefully we won't hear her through the door because she can snore quite loudly. Mm. And I'm also in a tender heart space. We we share the same community, so I've been aware of losses here in the community in the past week and some some things that people close to me are going through that I've been supporting them with. And also myself getting ready to birth this new book into the world. It brings up a lot of vulnerability and uncertainty as I've 
kind of kept the stories and the teachings close to me. And soon they'll be in a place where anyone can have any opinion about them that they want. And I'm just preparing myself for whatever comes. Thank you for sharing that. It is such a vulnerable thing that you're about to step into. I'm really aware of, of that. All of your writings and all of your work now now moving into the public sphere very soon. And I just, um, even before we start going into things, I just want to thank you for taking that risk because uh, I know that I feel so served by having access to your to your work and your insights. It, it really is so important for the women in this world. Thank you. I really appreciate hearing that. And I appreciate your support. You've been a good friend to me throughout this whole journey, through mm-hmm. my, my living of the hardest parts of it and the writing process, which was a whole nother challenge and beautiful challenge, and now mm-hmm. bringing it out into the world. So thank you for, thank you for being a good friend. Mm-hmm. It's such an honor and, and such a pleasure. And the feeling so mutual. So thank you. <laughs> So I have one other sort of check-in question, um, but I know so much of your work is is really around supporting women with how to create realistic daily rhythms and practices to support them. And I'm curious what you've done for yourself today. Um, what ways have you cared for your body, mind, your soul? And um, what does a typical day usually look like for you? Well, today and for the past couple of weeks since I've been in these surgeries, I've been prioritizing my sleep. Mm. So I've been sleeping a lot because I have to wear an eye patch over whichever eye was just operated on <laughs> for a week while I'm sleeping. And I notice every morning when I wake up and I take it off that so much healing has happened in the night. Mm. So I've been letting myself go to sleep really early, like even at 9 o'clock. Normally I go to bed at around 10. And also to sleep as late as I need to. So I've been waking up between 8 and 9 in the morning, whereas I usually get out of bed around 6.30, 7. So this morning I got up at around 8, and my fiancé Keith recently started a new job that sends him off away from the home in the early morning. So usually I have the mornings to myself and he sleeps in a little later. But uh, I spent some time connecting with him as we were making our coffee and tea. And when he left, I went upstairs to my home office, which is also my practice space. I have an altar in here and my yoga and meditation props. And I start with a personal check-in. I call it a four-part check-in, and I describe it in depth in both of my books. But I sit and I close my eyes and I feel how I'm doing at the level of my body and of my heart and what's going on in my mind, what's the quality of my thoughts, what what kind of um, patterns am I seeing, like is there a lot of doubt, is there a lot of resistance, restlessness, and then I connect with my she, which is a term that I use for my my soul or my, my deepest intuition. 
then I share, I, I recite out loud a little prayer of my intention in life, which is to be of benefit to all beings and to really honor the preciousness of this life. And then I do a, I do some pranayama, some, which is yogic breathing to help kind of clear the energy channels and create more brightness in my body and mind. And I do a yin yoga pose to help me come into my body and really just feel from that felt sense how I'm doing. I'm just going in a deeper layer. And I, I sat in meditation for a half an hour. And then I did a longer yin yoga and restorative yoga practice, which has been my practice for the past couple of weeks while I've been recovering. And while I do that, I often listen to a Dharma talk. So this morning I was listening to a talk on happiness by Pema Chodron. And then I went down and I made my breakfast. I usually have some sort of a liquid breakfast when it's warm outside and walk my dog around the block and come in, light my candle and sit down to work. Mm. And that's that's my mornings and it can last anywhere. This morning since I slept in, I had last time, I had about an hour and 15 minutes. Ideally, I take about two and a half hours. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I noticed just as you're talking how um, it's almost like a transmission experience as you're sharing even just kind of the structures, the rhythms of your daily life. But I can feel how much you live this path that you also teach to other women. Um, So it's even just nourishing to hear about how you spend your morning. Yeah, and I feel um, this is, I've built up to this practice. It didn't oh, it didn't come easily at first, but mm-hmm. I've, over the years, I just layer in more pieces. Yeah. And it's very adaptive to, that's why I do that, that four-part check-in to really see what do I need this morning. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm curious, Sarah, you know, I know you, just because I know you personally, that you started on this path as a very young woman in your early 20s, I believe. Um, And I'm just curious, you know, what were the precipitating events or experiences or feelings that led you to this kind of work and contemplative lifestyle? Sure. I've always had a very introspective nature. As a young girl, I would always write in my journal. I would pray spend a lot of time alone in nature. I was also a dancer. I would express myself through my body and I would read a lot and just observe and think about life. And as I got into my mid to late teens, my parents were going through a really challenging divorce and I was facing just a lot of new identity challenges as I was becoming a young woman. And I became, as many young women do, I became anorexic and bulimic. And I went off to college. I went to Barnard College, Columbia University's all-women's college in New York City, and 
Living in New York City as in my late teens and early 20s was very challenging. It's not, as you can imagine, it's not a very nurturing place. And I feel that that, while I got a wonderful education there, I feel like that started to make things worse, the New York City environment, and Mm -hmm. simply because I was just more isolated. And my eating disorders got worse. I was exercising way more than I should have been. I was running at least five miles a day Mm. and often also doing a yoga practice. Luckily, I started yoga then, but it was still a very challenging, rigorous, aggressive practice. Mm -hmm. And right before my graduation, I went to the gynecologist for a routine checkup and found out that I had the advanced stages of uh, pre cervical cancer, um, which many of us women know as cervical dysplasia, and Mm. that if I didn't start bringing it down a level, that it would become cervical cancer. So that was very devastating, a total shock. I bet, yeah. Because I realized for the first time that I wasn't immortal, Mm. that I couldn't just keep pushing myself keep running from my feelings and expect to be okay. So serendipity, (laughs) right after that, I met someone who offered me a job to go teach in Thailand to teach at an international school. And I said yes. And I moved to Thailand two months later, and I ended up living there for nine years. It was there that I met a lot of really wonderful healers who started to teach me how to really take care of my body, to honor my cycles as a woman, to learn how to meditate. I started going on meditation retreats. I started really learning how to cook nourishing foods for myself, how to adapt my yoga practice to heal my body as a woman. And as I started to do that and I started to heal, then I began to teach, to teach in Thailand and then to travel around the world teaching and gradually just built up this body of work that is now called The Way of the Happy Woman that all originally started as my inquiry into how to be a truly healthy, happy woman in the world today. And by happiness, I want to say I don't mean like a sugary, sweet cheerfulness. Yeah, the rainbows and sunshine only. <laughs> it's not a fakery. It's, yeah. it's the deeper contentment in the Buddhist sense mm-hmm. of being willing to be with, to be intimate with whatever is arising, pleasure and pain, gain and loss. Beautiful. Yeah, and it's just as I listen to to all the parts of your story, again, I just feel so struck by how what you teach is what you lived and experienced through your own body and also what you continue to. And I feel like from from my standpoint, that is the most powerful kind of teacher is someone who is really walking the path themselves and then illuminating the way for other people, not just making up some you know, beautiful lofty ideals, but actually in there with your sleeves rolled up in the trenches and and living it, breathing it. 
Yes, my primary passion, as much as I love to teach, it's when I most come alive, my primary passion is studentship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love being a student. I love to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's such a blessing that I can take the things that I learn and then share them with other people and then Mm -hmm. keep learning and then keep sharing. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I feel so, I resonate with that so much. I love being a student and then, and then how learning just, you turn, you spin it into gold and offer it back out. And it's just this cycle that doesn't end. So I'm curious to talk a little bit about the way of the happy woman, both, you know, your larger body of work, but also I read your first book, the way of the happy woman. I loved it. Um, And I know that a lot of women who are probably listening to this interview are interested in writing and publishing their own books. And so I'm curious if you could share with us both about the book of She, your book coming out October 1st, um, and your first book, The Way of the Happy Woman. How did you go about getting these books published and writing your proposal? And what can you share with us about that? I had dreamt, even as a little girl, to be an author, mm. and I always wanted to knew I always knew that I wanted to publish with a publishing house rather than to self-publish. Mm. So, from a very early age, I started to build what is called the platform, <laughs> <laughs> and I was always a voracious writer. In college at Barnard, I was. Um, a writing fellow, which meant I would get attached to different courses and help other students to write their papers. I'd work in the writing center and tutor people with their writing when they came in. I concentrated in writing as part of my dual major in college and worked with, with the school paper. And when I moved to Thailand, in addition to teaching yoga there, I also began writing freelance writing for magazines in the U.S. So I wrote for Yoga Journal and some other health and spirituality publications that are that are no longer in print. And I I wrote for them a lot and I built I built up an audience, I built up a portfolio, and from there I was then able to build a website and I started sending out a I think at that time it was just a seasonal newsletter and now it's a monthly newsletter been sending that out for over 10 years now and just gradually just kept building this worldwide community whenever I would go teach somewhere whether it was in China or in Sweden or New York I would bring along a sign-up sheet and have women write down their name and email and I'd go home and I'd enter it into my newsletter and just (laughs) gradually just add in one woman at a time Mm Now it's a lot more automated, thankfully. I'm so appreciating hearing about this because I think so often as women, when we have big dreams, it can be easy to just, you know, like, oh, I just want that. I just want the the published book or the huge platform. And it's so important to hear the stories of of where something began. Um, and, And also I feel like it gives hope and faith to all of us that if we just start kind of with baby steps that that ultimately we can fulfill our vision definitely 
And it was when I moved to Boulder seven years ago from Thailand that I really said, okay, now I'm going to write the book. Hmm. So that was when I started the website, The Way of the Happy Woman. Before then, it was called Four Mermaids. Mm. And I started blogging and offering programs with that name and really consolidating the body of work that I had developed over my years in Thailand. Mm. And then I joined a women's kind of mastermind group here in Boulder. It was called Ladies Who Launch. Mm. And I set the intention that I'm going to write my book proposal. And to help me with that, I hired a, a coach who set deadlines and held me accountable, gave me feedback, and she coached me through the process, and I started to send it out. And I got a lot of rejections, but I got two, I got two um, acceptance letters, hmm. and one of them is my current publisher. So I decided to go with them and sign the contract for my first book, which was a whole nother process, hiring someone to help me decipher the contract and to stand up for my rights as an author and to negotiate the contract. And then I settled in to write the book. And the second book was much easier. I didn't have to write a proposal because I had a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So basically, I just shared my idea, and I got started. Wow. So, wow. And I'm just struck by, I almost imagine The Way of the Happy Woman, your first book, and then the book of She as sisters. I don't know if that resonates for you at all. Um, They are sisters. They are sisters. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, tell us about her. Tell us about the book of She and um, I know that allowing her to come to you and to be written through you was such a big deal over the past many years. And I'm just curious what you'd like to share about that process. Sure. The book of She started when I was writing The Way of the Happy Woman. So I think that by the time I was writing The Way of the Happy Woman, I was really kind of finished with that body of work. It had, I had absorbed it, and then I was at more of the mastery level to teach it. So then I was back in that student place. Mm. And the content of the book of She was what I started to really learn. And a lot of it was the reemergence of childhood wounds, of unhealed trauma, along with profound connections with the sacred feminine and these these this interplay the interpenetration of extreme pain old old pain maybe even not mine but from my ancestry and then these really euphoric intimate connections with the Divine Feminine. In my case, it was with Mary, with Mary Magdalene, whom I had never had a relationship with before. They started to escalate and really dismantle my identity Mm -hmm. to the point that I thought I was going crazy. I thought my my life just felt like it was unraveling thread by thread at an ever-increasing velocity. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So really every corner of my life became dismantled. And in the midst of that, I was still having to function to bring my book into the world and to keep food on my table, to keep paying the bills, and to keep showing up for the women who were needing support as well. And thanks to a lot of support from my teachers, from great therapists and healers, I was able to put all the pieces together that are now in the book, just healing those those old, younger parts of myself and opening up a communication with the Divine Feminine to really understand what the next level of my growth was, what mm. what was my path forward now as a woman. And this was my heroine's journey, which will go on for my entire life, but it was very intensified over the past five years. And this is what the book of She lays out, all of our heroine's journeys. Mm. When mm-hmm. things start to come undone, when failure strikes, when death strikes, when life doesn't look familiar anymore, when we don't recognize ourselves and we don't know the way out, that's when the journey begins. And this book guides us as women through each stage. Because the hardest part for me, I remember so many nights, I had really bad insomnia during that time. And during so many nights, I would just be in so much emotional pain inside. And I remember one night I was sitting outside in my house and I looked up at the moon and I just felt, okay, as long as my suffering can be useful for other women, may I make the suffering useful. Yeah. So this book is, is the roadmap that I didn't have, but that I want every woman to have. Yes. Wow. I'm so struck by that that image of you with the moon and 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 your devotion, your commitment to turning your poison into medicine for others and for yourself. It's really inspiring, Sarah. Thank you. Can you tell us I know, you know, we don't have time to go into incredible detail around the heroine's journey, but can you tell us a little bit more about what are some of the stages and cycles that you're mapping out? The heroine's journey begins, like I said, with a fallout. It can be a midlife crisis. It can be an an illness. It can be an addiction. Um, a bankruptcy, so many comes to each of us in different ways. The ending of a long relationship. And it starts with that breakdown and the call for us to leave our quote-unquote normal life. So usually up until that time, we've been a good girl, quote-unquote good girl, And like I was at Bernard College getting good grades or just really trying to get others to love us, seeking approval from the outside and living according to the culturally accepted 
notions of success. And with our breakdown, we realize what the world says is success is successful doesn't feel successful because I feel depleted physically. I feel disconnected from my heart. I feel estranged from my womanhood. I feel unfulfilled. I want more from life. And from there, we go down. We go into a descent. We really go into the underworld to heal those places that we couldn't heal as younger women. Many of us have lots of younger selves living within us. We have a three-year-old, an eight-year-old. Currently, I'm working with my 18-year-old self. She has a lot of wounding. Mm -hmm. And we go back and we mother them. And we help them grow up. And we give them what they could never get from their family, school, community environments, just because the people around them didn't know how to offer that. And who knows how long we stay there in the <laughs> underworld. But there's a lot of there's a lot of richness in there. Mm -hmm. And it comes to a point, an initiation point, where in Alcoholics Anonymous they call it rock bottom. But we all have to reach that rock bottom where we feel like we're backed into a corner and there's no out. We can't get out the ways that we usually do. The only way to get out is to fully surrender and to open to something greater than us. And that is when she, that is when the divine herself really reveals herself and shows us the way out by returning us to our hearts. Hmm. And from there, then we come back to the ascent and we move into the world. And from there, there's, there's more challenges. It's stepping into our greatness and actually being happy and sharing our gifts. And for many of us, that can be even more challenging than the descent. Yeah. And then we come to the, the homecoming, which is just really stepping back and recollecting what did I learn and how can I be of service. So these are the general stages first outlined by Joseph Campbell in his hero's journey, adapted now for us as modern women. I felt that now since so many more women are stepping into leadership than ever before, Many women are breadwinners for their families for the first time. We need a different archetype for feminine power, for feminine leadership, even if it's just being the leader in your home or in your PTA. And it's really a, an archetype that brings together many different archetypes. So we can be a mother, we can be nurturing, but we can be sensual, we can be wild, we can be fierce. It doesn't have to be either or. Beautifully said. Yeah, it's so, I feel like it's crucial at this time, you know, because so, mon so many of us have been locked into one way of being. I know for myself, I can really resonate with, with the good girl archetype as well. And, and to free all of that, 
so much more becomes possible when when we become more adaptable and more unburdened, unbridled as women. Yes. Mm. So one um one of the, I loved your book so much just through and through. It was it, it felt so easy to read and just flowed and it kept my I was gripped to it. It was beautifully done. And um, one of the things that I loved the most was how you wove your own personal story and the, and the vignettes that you included there, as well as your psychological understanding and your spiritual understanding and really tangible, practical practices for women. And I'm so curious, you know, how, how did you do it? How, did, how were you able to weave all of these worlds? And what was that creative process like for you? The creative process was really messy (laughs) and really magical. Mm -hmm. And the organization of it actually didn't come to me until like six months ago. Mm. For two years, I was struggling with how to organize it. And... I'm trying to figure out how to best say this, but I share the story in in the book that I went on a retreat up in the mountains here in Colorado, a solo retreat in a cabin. And at that retreat, I brought all my books on women's spirituality, all my journals from many, many years back. And I was just taking notes and gathering my ideas. And one night before bed, I was sitting on my bed doing a short meditation before I turned out the lights and I had a transmission from Mary where in an instant I felt like I was impregnated with the book mm. where I was it was implanted in my heart and my senses understood my my heart understood my body understood my mind understood but then I knew everything I needed to include and all the different twists and turns. But then translating that into the written word took me, I think it was about a year and a half after that Mm. until I I finished. Mm. So the first draft was twice as long as it should have been. (laughs) And it was all about me. Because I just I needed to get it all out. There were tons of stories, and also there were tons of quotes from other people. Mm-hmm. So my editor basically said, you know, we need to you need to rewrite this, and you need to pare it way down. You need to cut out a lot of these quotes, a lot of these stories, and make it now about the reader. Mm-hmm. So the second draft, once I got clear, then on the organization, and I was able to once I had written that for myself then I was able to turn it around and write it for all of you and then it just started to flow and I started to see I started to find the voice more of the teaching voice that is in there now and it's really written in the way that I teach you know when we're in person it's Mm -hmm. I always share personal stories I always draw in other people's work that I'm constantly influenced by. And then I always have experiential practices. And 
I think that the combination of those three things, plus transmission, transmission, experience, information, stories, really is the the recipe for powerful teachings. I love having that background about the process because, you know, the book that I read is so cohesive and flows and I just, I love hearing a taste of what she was like, you know, prior and along the way up until the final product. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, and I just want to add that I was really devastated after my editor rejected the first draft, pretty much. Yeah, I bet. And I had to take, I had to take several months off, which was really risky. And now I'm so glad that I did. I took several months off, just completely away from the book. And then when I went back to it, I just had that new perspective. So my advice to anyone with their creative process is to really trust it and really listen to it. And it will it will show you what you need. It might might not be what you expect or what you want, but it it knows what it's doing more than you do. It's exactly what I need to hear right now. I'm working on a major piece of writing, and I'm going to definitely draw on that support. Please do. So I have another question coming to me, which is, and you briefly mentioned this at the beginning, but what is it like for you to know that in a matter of a couple of weeks here, some of your most personal and intimate experiences you know, both on the psychological and the spiritual um, levels are now going to be in the hands of the public. How is that for you? It makes me feel sick to my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I was recently recently listening to an interview with Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. I think it was on the Tim Ferriss podcast. Mm. And she said, if I... If I don't feel sick after I give a talk, then I know it wasn't any good. Wow. And I've I've noticed the same thing myself. If I don't feel like my guts are all in a knot and like I can't face the world, <laughs> then I know that I didn't really give myself fully. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that I, I share all the dirty details of my life because I don't. I share what is vulnerable that will be useful to inspire others. Mm-hmm. So I know that I know that some people will really criticize this and maybe they won't understand it and I know others will love it. So I'm just settling in for the ride and I trust, I surrendered this over to the Divine Mother. She brought this book through me, and I trust that she'll take care of me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, I, I salute you and I commend you for your courage, and I have the same total faith Um that you can withstand the waves of whatever comes. So thank you. (laughs) Um, I, 
if you're comfortable getting a little personal, speaking of personal, um, I know I want to bring up Keith, your wonderful fiance, because I know you guys have been together for five years. I know he's been totally instrumental in your process and also in the birthing of this book and that you met him, uh, I read in your book, the day after your heroine's journey fully began, after your visitation from Mary Magdalene. And I'm curious if you could just speak to how intimate relationship fits into this whole picture of the heroine's journey and women's spirituality. Like, where does romantic, sexual life partnership fit in? Have to take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) It's a really big, important question. One that I'm still learning about I'll always be learning about it I feel that my relationship with Keith is one of my greatest teachers he's my most powerful mirror and as I was finishing the book and when I realized that I met him the day after this all began I, I understood that the only reason why my heroine journey could begin was because I wasn't trying to do it myself I was willing to be seen in my dirtiest, darkest moments, in moments when in the past no one had ever seen, no one had ever seen me like that, fully on my knees, and that I was still loved. Mm. Not only was that I still loved, but I was loved even more. And... I let myself be held. I let myself be carried through through the hardest moments. I surrendered. Yeah. And I learned how to really be intimate with another human being for the first time in my life. And both Keith and I have similar upbringings. We both, we both grew up to be really warriors in our own way and to really be strong individualists and to take care of ourselves. We both started taking care of ourselves at a really young age. So we had a lot of armoring to keep (laughs) other people from coming in. Mm -hmm. So when we can meet each other in that sameness of our wounding and our armoring and slowly help each other take it off, then for both of us, there's been a a new aliveness and a new sense of security and possibility in the world to see that the more deeply we're anchored to each other, the more we can take risks in life because we know that someone has our back. And also the heroine's journey is not about creating a matriarchy. Because we don't need the opposite of a patriarchy. Yeah. We need an integrated world of the sacred marriage between divine feminine and divine masculine within ourselves and between each other. You know, whether that's between the male and female or, you know, any genders coming together, but we all have these polarities. So he's been a huge part of my journey and also he's an author so he understands the birthing process of a book and 
could support me as I needed to become very myopic, especially last winter, mm-hmm. where I just had to write day in and day out for months to complete the book. And just to know, okay, my life is very out of balance right now. We're not very romantic, but that he has my back and he's supporting me mm. and vice versa. Thank you for sharing that. And I, it feels so important, especially this point around, you know, the balance and the working together, because I think so often when, as women, we step on the path of female empowerment and women's empowerment, then there's totally the, that stage of wanting to reject the masculine. And I know you write about that in your book, which is so important. And I just love hearing about how you and Keith, you know, on a personal level are working these energies and, and supporting one, one another into greater wholeness and contribution in the world. It's really beautiful and inspiring. And I wanted to add, which I know that you can relate to from your own relationship, Emma, is that a huge thing that's really important in this is that Keith does his own inner work too. Mm-hmm. That he has been in a men's group for several years that he, he's a Zen priest, he's a Kung Fu master, so he has his own embodiment and contemplative practices and his own commitment to awakening and his own purpose in the world of writing books. Mm-hmm. So he knows who he is and he, he has the tools to face his inner demons as well. So we're, we're partners in that sense too. We're not expecting the other one to to fix us. Oh, so awesome and so essential. (laughs) Wow. So I'm curious, you know, just for like to get on the personal level again, what are some of the ways that you guys do it? Because your lives are so full, you know, jobs, entrepreneurship, writing, practice, health, all of it. Do you have any tips or just fun ways that you and Keith structure your lives in order to do this work together? Yes, and sometimes we do it well and sometimes we fail miserably. (laughs) It's always, we're always learning. Yeah. But some things that have helped are... One, we see a really great couples therapist who only works with couples and who really helps us to understand each other at the deepest level so that we can be the only person in the world who knows the other inside and out. So we can read each other's faces and bodies and moods every day and know exactly what we can offer to support and soothe. And that has been hugely transformative for us, just to know, okay, Keith is really upset. I know the thing that's going to help him calm down Mm -hmm. and vice versa. And that has been life-changing for us. We've lived our lives not having anyone ever understanding us at that deep level. Also, practicing together while we have different practices, I'm very much a yogini. He's very much the Kung Fu guy. He's very much the Zen guy. And while I have a strong Buddhist practice, I'm not 
fully on the Zen path, but we meditate together at times, and we've gone on retreat together, also going on vacations together and leaving work behind and having more play, romantic time. Mm -hmm. And we eat dinner together pretty much every night. We take turns making making dinner, and we sit down, and we talk about our days. That's great. So it's the simple the simple things. He tucks me in every night because he's a night owl, and I go to sleep early. <laughs> so we have some time in bed where we just we wind things down, and then some little time in the morning, like I shared at the start of our call, just checking in and wishing each other a good day. Mm. And also Beautiful. having time for for great sex and knowing that there's ups and downs with that, but making it a priority to really connect sexually on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm aware of our time and I have a couple of other questions I want to make sure we get in before we wrap up. Um, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit, even though I could stay on relationship forever, as you know. <laughs> That's the therapist in me. <laughs> um, so I want to, just for people who are listening, I want to frame this podcast, because I know this is the first official episode of the podcast, and I want to hear what is your vision for this podcast, and why did you start it? Um, and I know the, the series is going to be called She Stories. So tell us about it. Well, I wanted to start a podcast since I was working on my first book five years ago. I have the old cover image in my photos here on my computer that I designed then, but somehow it just never happened. And so now I'm using this second book as an opportunity to really to bring this forth. So. The podcast, She Talks, is meant to be a place where women can come and hear teachings that we don't have access to, bridging together Buddhism, yoga, spirituality, relationship, sexuality, our bodies, everything under the sun that has to do with being a woman, especially the things that we don't often talk about, and seeing them within a more empowering and even spiritual light. So, so many times, as I mentioned, you know, in my morning practice, when I'm doing yin yoga, I listen to a Dharma talk, which is wisdom teaching in the Buddhist tradition. So many times I think, wow, I just want to hear a Dharma talk about PMS or about self-doubt that I have and sharing my voice. Mm -hmm. But I can't find those anywhere. So I realized, well, I need to be the one who brings those. I need to create the things that I, I'm wanting and trust that there are other women who want those too. So I will be getting to those types of talks later on, but for these first several weeks, as you mentioned, I'm offering this series called She Stories. And this is in celebration of the release of my new book, The Book of She, so every few days over the next several weeks, I'll release a new interview with a woman that I admire. I've included some of my mentors, colleagues, and 
inviting them to step forth and share the stories of their heroine's journeys. And this is to give us all more confidence in ourselves and our own life's path to see, oh, other leaders, women I admire, they struggle with these things too. Because so often we don't see the darker side of leadership, the struggles that we go through as women, when in truth it, it is those very struggles that makes us leaders. Excellent. I'm so excited to listen to this podcast because I, I get so much from listening to inspirational women share their stories and also just having a contemplative talk to listen to when I walk or hike. So I'm so glad you're creating this. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Um, and I know that 2015, you know, this year has been really challenging for you on many levels. Um, you had a really huge blog post where you talked publicly about some of the challenges that you'd been facing and even announced that you were metaphorically closing your business. Um, and it got a lot of people's attention. And I'm just curious to know, you know, where are you now with the process of how you want to be in the world? Um, what is the way of the happy woman and your body of work going to look like moving forward? Last summer, when I heard from my editor that I needed to rewrite the book, I was also having some health challenges. I was having, Keith and I moved into a new home and I had a really strong allergic reaction to a new bed that we bought from the off-gassing that really just derailed me for a few months. And the combination of those two things forced me to really simplify and step back and look at what I was doing. And throughout the past few years since my first book came out, there's been an underlying discontent with kind of the water that I've been swimming in of being an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. of internet marketing, and of quote unquote, putting myself out there and feeling that there's a lot of pushiness, there's a ton of narcissism and greed, and that I was involved in that to a certain degree. So I decided to metaphorically close my business so I could step back and heal and write my book and reassess. So since then, it's I've moved through a lot of different layers, but where I am now is that Several months ago, I was trying to just completely carve a different path and just not do the internet marketing thing at all, just work with women in person. And as I got into that, I started to to feel the wake, the momentum of my life, rather not the wake, the current of my life pulling me back here, pulling mm-hmm. me back onto the internet. <laughs> And over the summer, I read a book called The Surrender Experiment Mm. that a friend, our friend Tracy, recommended to me. Mm. And it really impacted me. And this man, Michael Singer, he turned his whole life into an experiment in surrender and just surrendering to life, letting life be his teacher and not resisting what came his way. So at the end of the summer, I resolved to stop resisting my life (laughs) and to see what is coming towards me is what I'm meant to be living, Mm -hmm. 
that the way of the happy woman is my monastery. It is my spiritual path. And I'm not to turn away from these tried and true methods of connecting with other people and engaging with them and getting them to learn about ideas that are really going to enhance and serve their lives. And that I can be a force of of positivity within that, to do it from the deepest intentions, which is to help others awaken to who they truly are. So that's where I am now. It's kind of a complete full circle, Mm -hmm. almost a year later since I made that announcement, but I'm in a totally different internal place than I was then. Yeah. I just, I respect you so much, Sarah, for your integrity and your honesty about this process. I know that it's something that I can struggle with too, you know, particularly in the zone of internet marketing and putting yourself out there and trying to earn a living with one's soul work. And just the way that you've navigated this process is really, really honorable. Um, and I hope that you know and feel that. And I, it just feels like such a gift for you to stand up and say some of the things that you've shared in, in the form of written word and, and also for you to come back and, and to know that you're doing that from a place of really, um, that that's really rooted in your own integrity and understanding. So I just celebrate you and, and the process, the journey you've been on with that. Thank you. And, and to you for being on this path too. And so many listening, I, the feedback that I got to those blog posts was overwhelming. So it helped me to see that so many of us are needing a different orientation to this. And the more that we can support each other and work together, you know, the stronger that we're going to be. Something else that I, an inner orientation that I have now is that I'm using this path to rid myself of myself rather than to get more full of myself. Mm, beautiful. So to be that open channel mm-hmm. rather than just to, you know, get the world to love me and you know, feel great and powerful. Yeah. And th- those aspects of me still live within me. They always will. But again, now I know I need, if if those voices act up, I know I need to be their mother and say, okay, you're needing some love here. You're trying to get, the, get that from the world, but let me give that to you. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah, and also not, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak, you know, like allowing these modern tools and technologies to support the deepest path that you're on, which is a spiritual one, which is of allowing the wounds to heal and and the ego to be, you know, in the ultimate sense, dissolved, even though we want you keeping your your relative ego for sure, because it's so important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but really the, the true integration is incredibly inspiring and thank you for that I think that's the message we all need yeah and I I realize that those of us born in this time like we're really good at technology yeah and the world is going to be more and more online so just I was just embracing my gifts of wow just I'm I'm really natural at this 
Mm-hmm. And I have been since I started my career. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to throw it away. Like you say. Yeah. And it's an incredible method for reaching more and more women and for participating in the massive uplifting of consciousness that's occurring. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're back in, in the interwebs with us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I just have one last question and it is just to know for for myself and also for all of us listening, where are you right now in your heroine's journey, your personal heroine's journey, and what's next? What is Where are you at in terms of your growing edge, and what's the next frontier for you? Mm-hmm. I am... I'm still in the phase of deep healing. I've been really focusing on healing my body for the past two years, like really intensively. And so my health is really a number one priority just to have a really strong, vibrant constitution. Since I was a little girl, I've always had a very volatile constitution, very sensitive. So I've really been working to to become more robust energetically. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm still in that process of needing to be really careful with how I live. And so that's an edge for me always right now. And another thing is that Keith and I were scheduled to get married this December. And this past spring, as I started to realize how much this book birth was going to entail, and some other career transitions that he was going through, we realized together that we needed to postpone our wedding so we didn't completely go nuts and overextend. So I'm in that place of, one, sort of grieving that the wedding isn't happening. I did a lot of grieving in the spring, but now that the date is approaching, Mm -hmm. some stuff is coming up around it. And feeling anticipation to be in the phase of life where we can start to plan it again because we're not even looking at it until after my book festivities are over. And just the frontier of uncertainty of I'm not sure what's around the corner after this book comes out. I Part of me is a little scared. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, like what's the next? I know that new lessons are going to come to me for the next body of work. And I just pray that I have some time for for my ascent, for some real celebration mm-hmm. and being out in the world, connecting, sharing. I've had to go so, so far in for this that I'm really, really ready to come out and to connect and to play and to shine my light. Mm. Mm. And that's scary for me, too. You know, it's. I write in the book that I really identify with Emily Dickinson. Like it's easy for me to be um, connecting with my suffering. It's not as easy for me to really express my joy. So I'm I'm looking forward to playing that edge mm. in the months and possibly years to come. Yeah. Mm, thank you for sharing that and. Yeah, one of the things I loved, uh, one of the sections I loved in your book was the pe- the part on the golden shadow, 
and exactly what you're speaking to the coming out and being as bright and luminous and um, generous as possible and I just wish you so much grace and ease with that journey and and really want you to know that I'm welcoming you and I'm welcoming the book of she into the world um, with open arms and that I know so many other women out there listening and not listening are also welcoming you and and her so make your way and don't hold yourself back (laughs) thank you so much Emma yeah and thank you so much for this time and this conversation it's it's such an honor to be able to connect with you in this way and just to receive your story. It's so rich. It's so bountiful and um, it's such, such a gift. So thank you. Thank you, love. Yeah. Thank you. And I can't wait to have your baby in the flesh. (laughs) The cover is beautiful. She is quite lovely. Yes. As are you. (laughs) Okay, have a beautiful rest of your afternoon. You too. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.